Hello and welcome to Having a Yak. I believe it is Having a Yak number 11. Okay. It's been probably about a month. Maybe At least. two. I'd since say more like done, two. Yeah, since we've done the last one. Yeah. Uh, we are not doing a podcast today as far as our hockey podcast because it's the NHL All-Star break. We didn't really have a lot of hockey content to, to talk about, so we thought that we would uh, take Sunday off, I guess, and film some videos. So we'd filmed probably like five or six videos earlier mm-hmm. and then do a pretty quick having a yak uh, yeah. just to be consistent with the actual podcast release. But. If we do a 45-minute having a yak, at least for me, I know you do a bit of prep because there's questions and you have to record them down, but for, for me, it's easy. We just sit here and talk. So a 45-minute having a yak takes up 45 minutes of my time. Yeah. So it's all about me, of course. In your case, it's a little different. But 45 minutes of the regular podcast probably takes two, two and a half hours ahead of time. Uh, at least. Looking at scores, recording events, taking notes down, so you're going to sound halfway intelligent about what you're talking about. Well, having a yak is just a yak. You just so yak. It's, it's a lot easier for us to do this, even though the same amount of content may show up on the other side. Yeah, way easier for us to do this. So yeah. uh, if you guys don't know, having a yak is our secondary podcast where we just, we just yak. We just, we have a conversation. We talk about life. Uh, we answer your questions mainly. Some, some of these questions are uh, kind of questions to make you think and put you in, in scenarios where you might have to... I don't know, for example, there's a, an apocalypse and you have to decide what's the first thing you do in the first 24 hours. Just just thinking questions like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, other questions that are kind of weird and funny and then just, just general questions that you guys you guys asked. So I have roughly 15 questions here. Oh, I have okay. no idea how long this podcast is going to be, uh, but we'll go through and uh, give her a go. And you have no idea what these questions are. That's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, there's no advance warning for me, so mm-hmm. they catch me off guard all exactly. the time. Okay, so question number one, you all set? Yep. All right. What's the best meal you've ever had, and where did you have it? Oh, wow. When I saw this question, I thought, this is going to take me a long time to think of the answer, and I still don't think I have it. And I wrote these down yesterday. The best meal I've ever had. That That's rough, because as you can tell, I've had many. <laughs> <laughs> so to try to find the best one, I don't know. Uh, it'll come to me as I talk. Now, for the first 20 years of my life, I can give you an exact answer. Okay. It was March of 1978 in Mexico City. Okay. I had not, and I'm not exposed to a lot of different kinds of exotic food, but we were on a school trip down there and we were all taken out to this restaurant. I forget the name of it now, but it might come back to me later. We were all taken out to this restaurant and seated at a great big table. It was a bunch of high school classmates. And I ended up having filet of red snapper, which is a fish, mm-hmm. fairly popular fish in the Pacific side, and a stuffed baked potato. That potato was unbelievable. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. And at that moment, I remember sitting there eating this, and I'm an 18-year-old kid. I'm thinking, this is the best thing I've ever tasted ever. Wow. And then I went back to my real self. And I haven't never had such a thing again, although I had it once and I really liked it. So if it was on the menu, I might order it again. I don't actually remember what the fish tasted like. It wasn't objectionable. And I'm not a fish guy. It was just about the potato. It was all about the potato. Okay. It was amazing. So the first 20 years of my life, that would be my answer. Um, Since then, in the 
15 or so years since I became 20, or oh, maybe more than 15. Maybe. Um, best meal, it, it's tough because, as you know, I only eat at 12 different places. <laughs> I guess. And when I go to those 12 different places, I order the same thing all the time, and I really like it. Yeah. So uh, I'll think some Let more Let me put about a scenario this. in up for you. All right. Uh, cruises. Okay. We've had some pretty good food on cruises. You've been on cruises where I haven't been with you. I've yep. been on cruises where you haven't been with me. We've been on a cruise together. Uh, for me, it would likely be just generically on a cruise. I don't know what specifically it was on the cruise. Uh, I tried swordfish on a cruise. That was amazing. A bunch of other stuff. I would say just generally any food that's on a cruise. One time when we were on a cruise, it was just the two of us, your mother and me, we uh, went. We, we spent a little bit extra and got out to the fancy steak restaurant on the boat ship. Ah, okay. So I think, you know, all the food in a cruise is more or less the, the, the regular free-range food is free, and but you can pay extra for fancy food. So I think it was $30 per person to have this fancy steak house meal. So we went to the, the steak place and we got served hot bread and take your pick of this and take your pick of that. And it was really wonderful. I'm not a huge steak guy, but this steak was amazing. Okay. And the potato was, was fantastic as well. How much was it? It was 30 bucks. Or how much was, how much big was it, you mean? Or? Uh, the, the, so the steak was $30? Yeah, like the whole extra meal was $30. So everything that came with it. Okay. I, I'm not a drinker, but it probably included wine or something, but I wouldn't want that. So right. uh, it was really good. But I don't know if I'd say it was the best thing I ever ate. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know. Some of the best, like, yeah, I'd almost have to break it up into categories. The best pizza I ever ate, I could tell you that. The best Chinese food I ever ate, I could tell you that. The best hamburger I ever had, I could probably tell you that. What's the best I, pizza you've ever had? Um, it comes from Tino's Pizza in Lachine, Quebec. And it's, they throw the dough up in the air and spin it, and it's dusty on the bottom. The crust is perfect. The and the dough ball in the right. middle, it's Perfect. It was the most amazing thing. The best pizza I've ever had was from, what's the place right before the New Brunswick main border? Holton? Holton. In, on the American side? On the American side. Yeah. Stuff, crust pizza, a uh, pizza hut. Yeah. Back in, oh, I don't know, 2009. Okay. T 2010. I don't remember when it was, back before they changed it. It was awesome. That was the best pizza I've ever had. Pizza hut in its day. Yes, in its day. In its day. The stuffed crust pizza was amazing. Yeah. And then something happened. I don't know. Different Remember that time you and I were in Florida a few years ago? I do. And we went and we found a pizza hut. A few years ago, 2011. Oh, well, yeah. Eight years ago. And it was the skeeziest pizza hut I think I was ever in. It was, yeah. It was awful. 2010, actually, sorry. There was a bunch of kids running it. It was basically deserted. Mm, it, it was weird. It was very weird. And the pizza was all right, but it wasn't like... When I think of Pizza Hut, I expect a busy restaurant with lots of kids and families, and, families yeah. and it's a busy place, but this was like a deserted Pizza Hut on the end of the road or mm. whatever. It was on the John Young Parkway or something. In, it was on a fairly... Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. Question number two. What do you think about people having crushes on celebrities? Do you think that's right or wrong? Uh, I, uh, I don't know if it's a right or wrong thing. It's not... It's not unhealthy, I don't think. I would agree. Uh, but it's not going anywhere. Um, it, it's an odd thing. It's, it's a one-way street thing. Uh, I've not ever been a celebrity per se, but I've been a publicly known person in the past. Okay. 
and I'm not saying anyone had a crush on me. It's, it's not that, but but people think they know you. Yes. Because you're in their house every night or every night, because I used to be on the radio, and I had other careers that put me in on the news once in a while when I did something stupid. So um, people assume that they know you well enough to engage with you when you're out in public. And they'll come up and they'll talk, and they're usually very nice people, but you actually have no idea who they are, but they have every idea who you are. Yeah, I mean, I watch lots of YouTubers out there, that, and I feel like I know them, like they're my friend. Exactly. And they have no idea who I am. If you walked up to, to Ethan hmm. and Gila, and they were just at a restaurant, you'd probably be like, I'm Neil, how you doing? You know, Because you know all about them. You know mm-hmm. where they, well, not where they live, but you know what their apartment looks like, you know what their lives are like. They're hilarious people. I would feel the same probably about Casey Neistat or Mm -hmm. people that I would watch in the past, not so much lately. And I've heard, I've read comments about people who say, oh, I met Casey, he was on the boardwalk the other day, or he was on 12th Avenue and and he really didn't, you know, he wasn't very friendly. Well. I've heard that as well. Yeah. yeah, And and I, that may be so, but maybe people are expecting the TV Casey and all they got was the real Casey. Mm. And maybe that's not living up to their expectations. So back to the question though, crushes on celebrities. I I don't know if it's, uh, I don't think these things usually uh, ever last. And if they go with sour, a crush becomes a stalker, becomes uh, an inmate. No, no, let's not go to stalker. Well, let's okay. just keep it at crush. <laughs> um, and what is a crush anyway? Like, I, I don't know, someone that... There are several celebrity uh, actresses, let's say, that I ha- have among my favorite people to watch. If I'm going through uh, the upcoming guest roster for Jimmy Kimmel or or uh, Stephen Colbert, and there's going to be a certain actress on that I happen to think is stunning, I will PVR that and watch it. Not, I don't, you know, I don't send her mail or anything because yeah, no, I'm a married no, I, man. I understand. I. I don't get the I don't really get the celebrity crush thing because it, yeah. it's really at that point just all about looks uh, because these these actresses are in, in our case actresses if you're female watching obviously there's actors or maybe they're not not all yeah uh, it's they're playing they're acting like that who who we see them as on camera isn't that actual person so for me it's hard to really have a crush on any celebrity. Uh, if I was going to choose, it would be Elizabeth Olsen as my crush, but I just think that she's cute. Like, yeah, it doesn't really go beyond that for me. I, as far as an actual crush, I think, I think you could define it by if this person was in front of you and you knew this person, you would want to court them or <laughs> okay, okay, pursue them. Yeah. So, I think the reality yeah. of that. If, if you got what you wanted, if you got access and, and they were nice to you and you even had dinner or something, it would never end as nicely as you would want it to end. You don't like, think so? I don't think, I don't think the night would ever, or the evening, whatever it would be, would ever be, would live up to your crazy expectations. Because you fantasize it a little bit. I think, yeah, you add a lot of, of, of otherness that wouldn't really happen. Okay. Um, but I have, you know, there's a few actresses, uh, if I hear that Jessica Chastain is going to be on TV... I don't care what it's about. I will watch it. <laughs> okay. But, but as much as I like to watch her in movies and things, uh, I do would rather see her on the Jimmy Kimmel show or Stephen Colbert where she is herself, yep. supposedly. Everyone's acting all the time anyway. We're all acting. I'm acting right now you know, to a, 
a degree. Mm -hmm. We all are because we want to put our best foot forward. But they're a little more natural in that environment. But like Anne Hathaway was on last week on one of the shows, and I'm a big Anne Hathaway fan. Mm, I'm not. Well, anyway, I just uh, I I like her in movies, and I just like being being. Having her in front of me, entertained I'm, I'm by entertained her, entertained by her, but in you know, in a, hopefully a very nice and and clean and platonic way. I understand. I, I don't creep out on these people, but I, uh, I understand. Yeah. So, anyway. what would you say to anyone who's watching who has a crush on you right now? Uh, a man sitting here in a green sweater with a red scarf and a Kenwood old hat on. I know that that person out there doesn't exist, so it's easy for me to say. Hypothetically, that, uh, if they did, what would you say? Um, you can do way better. <laughs> No, but they they have a crush on you. Like, but no, I'm. You could do way better. Like if you can, no, I, I can't even relate. They could do way better. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on fighting in the NHL? Oh wow. Um, it's I'm I'm betwixt and between. Betwixt. Yeah. Um. On a moral standpoint, I oppose violence generally in society. And I cannot reconcile that belief with the fact when a good fight breaks out, I absolutely love it. (laughs) I love watching it as long as no one gets hurt. And that's the weird part because sometimes these fights do end up with someone getting hurt, usually because they fall down and hit their head or something. But it depends on the balance in the fight. If it's two players that are roughly equivalent status on their individual teams and that's one of their roles is to be uh to make sh- to basically protect the the more skilled players and they end up fighting each other i'm a lot o- more okay with that than i am some goon taking on the other team's superstar you know what i mean yeah i understand i understand yeah i i like fighting a lot sometimes i'll be watching a game we'll be watching a game and i'll just say there needs to be a fight you doing? I'm just having a drink. There, there needs to be a fight. You like, say that every game. You say that every 10 minutes. There ne- well, there needs to be a fight. The fights fights change the momentum and pace of a game. They actually do. And I'm not I don't when I say that, I just don't want to see two people fight, although I do. I want to see it for the from a perspective of a hockey fan that I want this game to get a little bit more amped up. Hmm. I want to see a little bit more emotion out of the benches. I want to see the rest of the the 10 minutes of this period be Balls to the walls. Like let's let's go. There needs to be a fight because fights energize both teams and the crowd and the crowd, especially unbelievable the crowd. to see the reaction of others when when a fight's going on. It doesn't matter what I think. I know what everybody else thinks. Yeah, they're loving this. Yeah. And one thing we saw, we were watching uh, on YouTube. They were streaming a game between the Nottingham Panthers yes. and the Cardiff Devils yesterday. And near the end of the game, something broke out, and you immediately criticize the two linesmen for stepping in too early and starting to break it up yeah, they, rather than letting them go. Yeah, they were, I agree with you. They actually. tried to, to break it up and, and get in there. It hadn't even gotten going, really. Yeah, and then they decided to back off a little bit, and then one of the linesmen fell down. <laughs> Karma. <laughs> That's what you get. It was great. Uh, but back to the, uh, the original uh, tenet of the question, I would officially oppose hockey. I want it to continue to remain a penalty. Uh, I would think that there should be a little bit more consequences for really dropping the gloves and going at it. Um, I think fighting 
should be a major five-minute major, and it should be an automatic game. I don't think if it's the first fight, they should come back out and have another fight in the next period. I don't think that's appropriate. I think we need to discourage fighting a little bit more, but still let it happen when it's important. I completely disagree. All right. I like it how it is, and I think there should be more fighting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> next question. All right. What are your top job interview tips? Oh, Mm, man. Mm -hmm. Let me see. I have two tips. Well, why don't you go with yours and I'll do some thinking. My two tips are ones that I do not follow and I'm terrible at. Maintain eye contact. That's one of mine. And do not say um or ah. I do both of those things poorly, so... I've never been on, and well, I guess I have in a way. I have been on a few interview panels informally where someone comes in and wants a job and, and I'm there not so much asking them questions, but I'm just interacting with them, trying to feel them out. I think my, my main tips surround the following principles. One, eye contact is critical. The it's other huge. is by the time you come in for the interview, you've already passed the paper process. They've looked at your resume. They've looked at your uh, application. And when they meet you in person, what they are really trying to do is see if you're a good fit for the workplace. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your credentials. They already know your credentials. It's basically to figure out if you're crazy or not. That's right. And if you have a, a, uh, a personality that, that melds with theirs. That's right. Uh, in, in many workplaces, uh, you could find a roster of maybe 10 people that want to work there. And the most intelligent, maybe the four or five most intelligent, most articulate people will not fit well in their particular workplace. And they may give absolutely amazing answers to all the questions, but it doesn't even matter what they say. Hmm. So I guess if I would uh, make one big suggestion for a job interview is bring your best personality, who you really are. Don't try to fake it because that'll, that'll show who you really are, and make sure that you're really engaged and picture yourself in the job itself. Uh, there are little things you can do to impress people, I suppose. Uh, we had one guy who came in not too long ago, and I won't get into more detail because they'll figure out who they are. But this particular uh, young man was very personable. He was really uh, casual, uh, very friendly, but he didn't appreciate the fact that he was coming into an office where important work is done. And it's not that everyone needs to be called sir or ma'am or anything like that, but don't, and this wasn't me, I was in the room, but I wasn't asking the question, but don't come in and shake hands with your potential future boss and say, great to meet you, buddy. Yeah. You know, that... Say, say him by his first name or by his uh, his last name or sir, good to meet you. Just sh show that you can be a little more appropriate when you yep. need to be. Um, it's like it's like he was auditioning for a job as a waiter or a server in a restaurant where it's all about, you know, no worries, you know, what do you guys want? You know, it's all more personality. Mm -hmm. This was a job that was going to involve a lot of analytical work and that kind of thing. Now, he got the job. So it didn't disqualify him. But as he left, the manager and I looked at each other and we're like, wow, that, uh, that was a little different, wasn't it? Hmm. Now, we did end up extending the offer and he worked and he worked out very, very well. But he was 
probably a little nervous. So he yeah. was likely trying to calm himself down by making it like he wasn't, you know, this wasn't going to change his life or something. And he was maybe overcompensating for that. But it didn't go particularly well at that stage. But we could tell, despite that, that he would still be a good fit in the workplace. And we did hire him and he worked out great. I think it's important to be yourself, but I'm not, I'm okay with a little bit of acting. Like if you can pretend to be confident or pretend act confident oh, even though you're not off. if you can pull it off uh and a little bit of humor goes a long way i think and yeah. it doesn't have to be inappropriate humor it can you can be funny without being inappropriate uh i think i think that goes a long way as well so humor is and i think this goes back to relationship uh attractiveness that people can have to each other uh, in whatever format that is humor is a sign of intelligence it is and it's a way of showing somebody that you're thinking and that you're thinking well without, you know, spouting off the phone book or something. Like your humor is, an, is a, almost an unspoken way of communicating a degree of intelligence that goes beyond the spoken word or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So humor is great. It is. If you can get the right balance in that. And that's, that's what's hard about humor. It is, you, yeah. You have to. You can't, no one's just born funny. Like it, it, it's something that you definitely develop as yeah. a person. So, and that's obviously influenced by the people you hang out with, the type of shows that you watch, what you read. So it, it's, it's not really something that you can study or like. You can't get a book that says how to be funny. Yeah. Like you, you just, you just kind of have to grow into it. Yeah. And humor isn't about always just telling a joke or something like that. It's about reacting to other things people say. Yeah. And slipping something in that... That's what she said. That, that makes them laugh. There you go. There you go. But uh, you can do that if you can get the appropriateness meter in the right place. Yeah. Which you didn't there just now. That's okay. Uh, and and make people laugh. It's, it's a little slightly more complicated when it's opposite sex humor. Yeah. Slightly, but not, not a great deal. Mm. But uh, I know people, all people in my circle... And, and including you, really admire and enjoy a good sense of humor. Definitely. And there's times for irreverent humor, and then there's times for reverent humor. <laughs> uh, so this here, when in the public eye, is a more of a reverent hum- humor it type is. of environment right now. But we just finished watching a few episodes of a sitcom with very irreverent humor, <laughs> and I laughed my butt off. Yeah, so. my my humor is extremely inappropriate, so I can't. You guys don't really know the real me, and that's unfortunate, but I can't show you my funny side because it's 90% of it is inappropriate. So uh, anyway, yeah, that's okay. Okay. If you had to be a player in the NHL, who would it be and why? Oh, man. I... Uh... It's not about the stats or about the money. I'd want to be known as a player that was good at what I did, reliable, and clean. Yep. I'd want to be known as a clean player. I'm just trying to think of who that might be uh, on the team that I watch most, which is the Montreal Canadiens. I would like to model my game, let's say, after a Shea Weber. Okay, yeah. Someone like that who's dependable, solid, but is not a goon or whacking away or slashing people. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Probably the kind of player I would prefer to be. I think for me, it's probably Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, I 
when I played hockey, I think I played a lot like Nick- Nicholas Backstrom in the sense that pass first, shoot second kind of thing. I, I tried to pass more than I did shoot. Uh, I never had the greatest shot, um, although I've been working on it the past couple of weeks yeah, playing hockey. Well, I can see uh, I, you've, you're paying the price a little bit I too. And, and I broke a puck today in half. Oh, it was an old puck. <laughs> uh, actually, I have a video of it. I'll show it. Oh, cool. I guess, yeah. You're going to show it like while we're doing this? Sure. Yeah, I'll show it while we're doing oh, so, this. So for video consumers of this podcast, you will see it exactly. now or very shortly. For audio consumers, you'll just have to imagine a puck being broken by this powerful man here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had the uh, the nets. We had a net set up and then we had the other net set up folded down and then backed up. So it was just the top of the uh, the back net showing. And we were standing in front of the net, five shots each. Who can get the most in the net? Whatever. So anyways, I ripped one above the net and uh, it hit just a weird part in the glass and just completely broke in two. Oh, so man. It was just a wrist shot. It wasn't that hard. So yeah, it's just still, a, just still a good. Yeah, it does feel good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Nicholas Backstrom, I just, I he's he's very quiet, soft-spoken, uh, not in a, in the spotlight very much, because, mainly because of Etchkin, so that's probably who I'd choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Um, what do you think of Formula One? Now, if you had asked me uh, in the late 1980s, when all I watched was good old boys in NASCAR, in the good old times, not so much lately, where everything's all high-tech, I would have probably not said much favorable about Formula One. I've only been to one Formula One race in my life, and that was the Montreal Grand Prix in 1993. Mm -hmm. I didn't have good seats. In fact, I didn't have seats at all. I had a standing room or a walk-around ticket. So we walked around and went to a few places where you could see the cars go by, and I'm glad I saw some of the drivers that that are now gone. Uh, They've retired, or even worse, they've been passed. Ayrton Senna, Martin Brundle, uh, Alan Prost, people like that, that that I would have seen back then. Uh, Great drivers, and there are great drivers now. And I went through a period after that of probably about 20 years not really caring about Formula One because there wasn't a lot of passing and not a lot of excitement. And usually if the starting grid was, was those 22 cars, the end of the race was often those same 22 cars in the same order, or almost. But in the last five years, I would say, I've watched more and more Formula One, and I'm really, really growing to appreciate it. Yeah, we've watched a few races recently. We have. And by recently, I mean the past year. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that bothers me is that crane cam, there's a specific core and a specific track that in this crane cam was, oh my, it must have been... 150 feet, the, the range of it, yeah. over this, I don't know, it's like a weird corner thing. And they would use the same panning method each time. It just was exhausting almost watching it. Yeah. I just wish that they didn't do that. But that's a, such a specific, insignificant thing mm-hmm. and has nothing to do with the sport, really. <laughs> but I, I'm a Lewis Hamilton uh, fan, I would say. I really, uh, I'm not crazy about his personality and he's a bit snooty by times, but then he can turn it on and off. So there's probably times that people chase him because they have a celebrity thing and maybe he's not willing to play at that moment. So he's a little standoffish, but he is a one tremendous driver. Mm -hmm. Got a bit of a temper when, when they don't pit him at the right time and and he disagrees, he takes a bit of a Nathan McKinnon fit and, uh, (laughs) and might disagree in the radio with the management a little or be upset with them. Mm -hmm. 
but they've delivered a beautiful car underneath him the last few years, and uh, he is an exceptional driver. And I'm very impressed with some of the other drivers uh, that are just some of the young guys that are up and coming. Uh, and Formula One, for me, the best part about a Formula One race is the start. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a standing definitely. start. They're sitting there, and they're not quite too abreast. They're offset, but there is a row one. But the, the, the second car in row one is always maybe 10 or 15 feet behind the first car, yep. and then so on and so on, like a step. And it isn't always guaranteed that the first place car gets into the first corner first. Mm. Oftentimes, maybe they get a bad start, miss a shift, or spin their tires a little bit, and then the second or third place car gets around them. And now that I'm watching the races more religiously, I'm really, really enjoying mm. the sport, probably as much as NASCAR. Wow. And you you realize how, how difficult it must be to hear that or yeah. for me to say it because I've been a huge NASCAR fan basically all of my adult life. Uh, my dad and I, in the early 70s, before they even showed live races, would watch Daytona on Wide World of Sports on a tape delay basis. So it'd be the previous week's race, and we'd watch it on the Saturday. Okay. But back then, there's no internet. You don't get instant results. That's so you true. don't really know who won the thing until you actually see it. And even then, it was heavily edited. But you still saw some good racing in the early 70s. I love IndyCar as well, but more so just for the Indy 500. Mm -hmm. uh, and any of the, the round, like Pocono, I like, and a few tr tracks. I like round tracks, frankly. And uh, IndyCars are okay, uh, but Formula One, the way that they, they travel around, mm. uh, they go all around the world. They're in Abu Dhabi, and they're in Brazil, and they're in Montreal, and they're in Japan. Mm. It's fantastic. It's probably one of the only truly worldwide sports That's true, yeah. right now where they actually go from place to place. And these events, when they have them, are massive. Just huge. Uh, a plane, there's a, I don't know, what do you call it when they have the, the course set up for the aerobatic planes, they have to go through the pylons and stuff. And yeah, that's the, like the uh, Red Bull air racing. Yeah, or, that's uh, worldwide. It is, yes. And it is a sport now. It so. is, yeah. And when I've seen it on TV, I have watched it from time to time, but I'm not crazy about it. No? No, because in the kind of flying I admire, it's straight and level. It's safe. Boring. You, it's boring to most people. To me, a boring flight is wonderful <laughs> because guess. no one's upchucked, no one's gone sideways, and no one is, uh, is upset. Mm. Uh, but it's amazing what these pilots can do. But I've gone to air shows. I've been to Oshkosh three times. I've been to other air shows where people are doing aerobatics and flipping their plane around and around at 4,000 feet and coming down backwards and going over and trailing smoke and doing this where they cross each other and looks like they're going to hit, but they don't, and all of that stuff, I actually don't really care for any of that. I like that. I really don't, because <laughs> they're all just doing risky things in a in a field that should be all about safety. Okay, I understand. All right. When you watch videos online, which platform do you use the most? And what I mean by that is TV, phone, tablet, computer. What device do you consume your content on? I would say 70 to 80% of my content is watched on my television. Delivered usually two ways, one through the cable box that has a YouTube client in it, and the other using a Roku box, which feeds into the TV and another input. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I like the Roku better just because I like the interface a little better. Yep. But uh, it's usually my television. I realize from our own statistics that a lot of people are watching on their phones, and I just find the phone too small me too. for me to really enjoy it. 
It's the old schoolness in us. Yeah, we want a big screen. Yeah. Sit back and it's pretty hard to watch on your phone and have a drink and eat chips at the same time. <laughs> that's true. So I think that's what it is. It's all yeah. about the, the snacks. Uh, for me, it's probably computer uh, 90%. The other 10% is watching Netflix on TV. Mm-hmm. I do not watch YouTube on any other platform except for computer. And I don't watch any videos on my phone, on the, only on the very rare occasion. Someone yeah. sends me a link or something. Back when we had, this would be earlier in December, maybe even late November, we had a, a fairly substantial power outage here. It was out for quite a while. And when the power had gone out, the local internet router here in the house that's hooked up to a fiber optics, which doesn't require electricity, other than the battery that was in it, I knew I would have internet for four or five hours before the battery died. I hope by then I'd have the power back on, but it didn't come back on for another eight or nine hours. So it was pretty grim. But what I did do that time is I downloaded a bunch of Netflix episodes onto the phone. I did that with my tablet. Mm-hmm. And when the internet finally died, I still had like a whole season of House of Cards yeah. that I hadn't watched yet on my phone. And I was quite contentedly watching Netflix going all throughout the afternoon, even when Netflix was technically down for me, uh, I couldn't have gotten That's a great feature to allow you to download it. It really is. And in Netflix's uh, protection, you need to be logged on to Netflix when you're doing this. It needs to check in with the master server to let you do that. So luckily, even though my own local internet was down, my cell phone still had data to the mobile tower. So that was handling my login credentials, but the actual episode was stored locally on my phone. Uh, I've used it without being connected to the internet. At all? Yeah. Com- on your computer? On my on my tablet. On your tablet? Yep. And you're not connected even to I'm the logon server? I'm not connected whatsoever. Huh. Yeah. And, uh, but it expires automatically after 30 days. Oh, okay. So after 30 days, if I don't say, hey, I still want this, whatever, I can't watch it anymore. It'll okay. still be physically downloaded, but I can't watch it until I get another, until I get the internet connection back and say, yes, keep. Okay. Whatever. Oh. So, There you go. I learned another new thing today. Next question. Would you rather go to California or Florida for a week? This is a tough question because you've never been to California. Exactly. But you love, you've never been to California, but you love Florida. Yeah, I do. But I've been to Florida a dozen times or however many times. Literally, probably like 12 times. Yeah. So, and having said I've never been to California and wanting to see so much in California and not so much the coastal things. I don't think I would die to go to the Santa Monica Pier. I don't have any interest either. Or Long Beach. Yeah, me either. But I would die to see the desert. Mm. Uh, It's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to go to Barstow. I'd like to go maybe into Northern California. Yes. I'd like to go to maybe Palm Springs or someplace. Like not really the coast and all the the noise and the traffic. Just back behind the mountains. I agree. That's where I'd like to be. But California, definitely California. No offense to Florida, but you've already gotten a lot of my money. And you'll get more in the future. But California would be it. I agree. Yeah. This is a tough question. I thought about this for a while, and I still don't have an answer, so you might not be able to answer this right away. If you could disinvent one thing, what would it be? Oh, my. Yeah, let me think. Disinvent. Disinvent. So I could just snap my fingers and it never existed. Yeah. Well, the obvious thing I would say is the NHL corner camera at the arena, but no, uh, that probably doesn't count. Um, disinvent. Just give me a second. Commercials. Yeah, but if we didn't have commercials, how would we pay for these things we watched? Would uh, we have to do what they do in Britain 
and pay a license fee every year. I would probably do that actually, now that I've seen both sides of it. If I had to pay a, a 200 pound a year fee for my TV license for the BBC and ITV and Sky Sports and all that, or I guess that would be extra money, but I would probably do that if it kept commercials out of my life. That's why I watch Netflix. Yeah. I don't consume cable or satellite or whatever you want to call it at all. It's all about the, whatever I can watch without commercials. I will do anything to not see commercials. I watch things on delay specifically so I can skip through the commercials. Mm. I hate commercials. Whenever I'm listening to the radio on the way to work, I'm usually listening to one station because I like it the most. If a commercial comes on, I don't care what song, song's on next. I'm switching stations because I don't want to hear an ad. I do the same thing. Yeah. And I used to work in radio and commercials paid my wages. And I listened to a lot. I had to. I was playing them in the studio. Yep. Driving me crazy. I would make commercials. I have voiced thousands of the damn things. And uh, I realize that what makes the world go around. Unfortunately, but, it is. Uh, people are getting, like you and me now, they're getting numb to it. Completely. And they don't want it. Nope. They don't want it. I don't want it. Uh, the only time I like commercials is on the Super Bowl. And the dumb authorities in Canada have made it so that the Canadians can't watch the American good commercials on the Super Bowl. Exactly. Now we're stuck with Canadian commercials for furniture stores and body shops and God knows what. And it's just awful. It's bad. It's bad. Meanwhile, down there, they're watching the Budweiser, Clydesdales mm. and the, 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 the Puppy Bowl and all that other cool, cute stuff. And we're stuck with yeah. the brick. Uh, so I still haven't answered the question That's okay. as to what I would do. You well, can think no, about it. I want to, I want to answer it. All right, you answer it. I, I can't, I, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come it, before, if I think of it before the podcast is over, we'll circle back. Uh, I would disinvent the fact that some phones are removing the headphone jack. Oh, that's yeah. not, that doesn't make sense to answer the question, but you understand what I mean. Yeah. You would disinvent the automatic Bluetooth. Uh, like why? Try and fix a problem that no one has. Yeah. Do you, like It's just a little hole in your phone, folks. If you don't put anything in that little hole, uh, that's up to you. But why should it not be there? Yeah. It's just so dumb. Like, and, and forcing people to get wireless headphones. Yes, it's all about the proprietary, like to sell more propri proprietary yeah. goods. And it's mainly an Apple disease, Yeah, it's right? an Apple disease. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Too bad. I know people have switched away for that exact reason. For me... When I go to bed at night, uh, I use an earphone, a mono earphone in one ear. And that earphone has always plugged into either a radio at the bedside or lately in the last 10 years, my phone or my tablet. Mm -hmm. And I would never, ever buy a phone that didn't have an earphone jack. I agree. Ever. I completely agree. So if all the other phone companies go bad and there's only Apple and there's no earphone jack, I don't need a phone. Oh, wow. I, I would not do it. Serious. Serious. What is the stupidest thing you've ever done because someone dared you to do it? I can honestly say I've never done a dare. Really? Yeah. I've done a lot of stupid things, but they were just because they were stupid. It's because you're stupid. And I totally invented them in my head. I didn't need anyone else to dare me to do it. Okay. Totally stupid things. Uh, just embarrassingly dumb things. But not because anyone dared me, just because I was just plain old dumb. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done? I did. I think I've told a story where I had 
it was long before your mother and I got married, obviously, but I had a thing for this girl. And, oh, yeah, Kate. Yeah, you yeah, told, you told yeah, that story. So I won't bother telling Well, what else? Well, is that not good enough? <laughs> um, I've just said lots of stupid things at stupid times. I know something. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> you, you've been alive for 32 years. I mean, know. it's not really dumb, but I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty stupid. You once drove from Doketown to Fredericton only using your knees to steer. Is that Actually, it was from Newcastle to Frederick. Okay, so that's two-hour drive. Two-hour drive. Yeah. Only using your knees to I did to not steer. touch the steering wheel with my hands. And that's not a straight drive. No, this is ni- the summer of 1980. I, I had a Chevrolet Vega. Yeah. And it was a fairly small station wagon car. And I'm a pretty big boy. I'm six feet tall, more or less. And I noticed... Uh, that I could go for long distances just steering with my left knee while I'm got the, it's an automatic, so I didn't need clutch. And I could steer with my left knee and go for like miles, five, 10, 15 miles. And one day I decided, it was the middle of the night because I was working the late shift at the radio station in Newcastle. It was a Saturday night. Okay. I was uh, betrothed at that point to your mother. And I was driving over to Fredericton to visit with her two hours each way. And the only, I worked six days a week, Monday through Saturday. The only night I had off was Saturday night, but I had to shut the station down. We had to go off the air at 1 or 2 a.m. when I'd power down the transmitter, get in the car and drive through Doaktown all the way to Fredericton on a Saturday night, stay at my uncle's place overnight. I'd get there at 3 or 4 in the morning, and then I'd get up at 7 or 8, drive over, visit your mother for three or four hours. We'd go for a walk or go to a restaurant, get something neat, and then I'd go back to Miramichi. Ain't nobody got time for that. Well, I was I was in love at the time. At the time. <laughs> I would not be doing that. But uh, just one, one of these Saturday nights, I said, I'm going to see if I can go all the way from Curtis Corner in, in Newcastle. Yeah, I know where that is. All the way to up, and this included going up the Clarney Road, which yeah, is a very twisty, windy thing. Exactly. And all the way to the bottom of the McLeod Hill Road without using my hands. And I did it. <laughs> And I don't think I met one car in the entire trip. Wow. So that's that's how dead things were back then. Mm. Back then, in those days, people went to bed, even on a Saturday night. They went to bed at midnight or 1 o'clock when the last hockey game was over or whatever it was in the summertime. Mm. And there was no one around. And mm. I drove the entire distance without touching the steering wheel. I mean, it's stupid, but it is impressive. Uh, thank you. Mm. Mine yeah, is, very dumb. Mine is not impressive at all, but I did make money. So oh. maybe that's impressive. Okay. Uh, someone dared me $20 to pierce my nipple with a needle, and I did. So I got $20. What? When? Uh, it's like 16 or something like that. Why? Half a life ago. Uh, 20 were bucks. You, were you that hard up for 20 bucks? No, but I went and got a poutine after. That's I've very, never heard the story before. It's a before. very Canadian thing. Yeah. I've never heard the story. Yeah. I'm, I've told it a few times, not in here, but. I'm shocked. Are you? Yeah. Why? I, I didn't think you'd be that crazy. I froze it with an ice cube. Oh, that's not, you know, if you're going to do something stupid and at least you're minimizing the damage. Oh, yeah. I, I spent a good 30 minutes freezing the old thing. Yeah. It actually didn't hurt. Uninvent something. I've got it. Okay. Four wheelers. Four wheelers? Yeah. Why? Because they're a scourge. They're a scourge of the forest. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag scourge of the forest. No, do not hashtag no. that. No, really, they are. Four wheelers have, have enabled non-fit, non-healthy people... To go all the way into the woods and interrupt the lives of fit, healthy hunters and campers and people that just want to go cloppity clopping their horse 
And all of a sudden, ying, these things go by. They go racing through the woods. They, 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 hunters use them to poach animals illegally and They'd drag them out of the woods. they doing that with four-wheelers, though. No, no. It's way worse now with four-wheelers. The things are just awful. <laughs> they shouldn't have been invented. That is ludicrous. Okay. You could say that about anything. You could take your truck in the woods and do the same things. Yeah, but no, no. Four-wheelers can go where trucks can't go. That's the whole idea of having one. So these four-wheelers are quads. They just allow people to take take themselves deep into the woods where people shouldn't be unless they're willing to walk there themselves. Okay, what if I had bought you a four-wheeler with a plow on it and you could plow your own driveway? That's okay. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm not in the woods. That's My point is... Just because there's four-wheelers out there doesn't mean that people are always using them, for, using them for mischievous things. They can be used for other things. And 95% of the time, they are being used for legitimate reasons. I don't know. Every time in the spring, they tear. They, some idiots are out there tearing up golf courses. And, you're not wrong. And farmers' fields. They're just, people are so irresponsible and it's so anonymous. You're, you're not wrong. It's but so anonymous. It, people are gonna, if people are, are if four-wheelers didn't exist. Yeah. And those same people would be doing the exact same thing with something else. Probably. A motorbike or a truck or a car or they'd be spray painting a, like, it's just idiots. Like you can't, you can't disinvent idiots. So oh, your problems darn. with idiots, not four wheelers. <laughs> four wheelers don't do it. People do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. um, hmm. Hmm. What book has had the most impact on you? I should say the Bible, but you want a truthful answer? Yeah. What book has had the most impact on me? I, I need time to think. I've read a lot of books. You have read a lot of books. And, and a lot of them have been very uh, meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an answer. Okay, please. I read a book called The Bomb. It's, a bo- it's written by Theodore Theodore something or something Theodore. Uh, I read it back in 2004 and it's about Bikini Atoll and the nuclear, um, the atom bomb and, and, and um, the testing of that by the Americans down in, in that, that area of the world and how it disrupted the lives of the natives on these islands and stuff. And there was a, it, the events were factual, but the story was fictional. It was about the, it's from two, two perspectives, the Americans or the military and a native, uh, Aboriginal, whatever. Um, he, he had a family and some other, him and some other men from other families tried to get on a canoe to get, to get away or to stop. I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a tragedy and they were in the wrong spot at the wrong time and some other stuff happened, but it just, it was a very impactful book because although it was fictional, you know stuff like this happened and you know, if you know anything about the Bikini Atoll and what they went through, it's a, it's a pretty serious travesty that, that went down there. So uh, it was, a, at the time, a pretty impactful book for me. But hmm. Very good. Yeah. In the time you've been uh, relating that, I've thought of several books actually okay. that, that have all been meaningful to me. Probably the most impactful book on my view of the world is a book called The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. He was an economist that lived in the late 17, early 1800s, uh, considered a very uh, brainy academic, 
but he believed very strongly in free trade, free markets, government not being into your lives with taxation and giving you money that really is not theirs to give and all that kind of thing. He wanted governments to look after the military, uh, do other important things, but essentially get out of the way of business and let, let countries trade and increase their prosperity on their own. So it's a great textbook on, on the free market economy, and mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in that. And I had it as part of an assignment in university to read oh, that book. Okay. So that's why I came across it. But there's other books I've read before and after that have been very important to me. Uh, one is Democracy in America by Alexis de Tocqueville. Uh, he was a traveling writer in the early 1800s and f- came from Europe, France, I believe, and he wanted to see what America was becoming in its early years. And he traveled the entire eastern seaboard of the country and interviewed people and related stories and events and things. Uh, and it's a very, even to this day, it's a very interesting book about what early America was like. Okay. Um, another book, it, uh, he's written several of these, but his, his name is Edward Rutherford. He's a British writer. And he writes about a place, but he writes about that place over thousands of years. And what he does, he has one called Sarum, S-A-R-U-M, which is about the Salisbury Plain in England. And he starts really at the end of the Ice Age, 10,000 years ago. And he writes a few chapters on what it was like for the people at that time. Yeah. And then he'll skip many thousands of years and go up to 3,000 years ago when they're building Stonehenge on that spot. That's, a, that's an interesting concept. And then he goes forward into a couple of hundred AD when the Romans are in charge. Yeah. And then he goes further and further into the present day. He wrote a very similar book called New York. And he starts with the original Lenape mm-hmm. native dwellers of Long Island and Manhattan before the Europeans ever showed up and what their life was like. Okay. And then he goes into the Dutch times and the British times and revolution and post and right to the present day. But what he does is he follows families all the way down. So these people, like in the case of New York, one of the original Dutch settlers ended up having a relationship with a native gal who was up, up river towards Albany. Mm-hmm. And she had a daughter that was his, but then she passed. So he raised the daughter as his own, as, which it was, it was his. But he had a wife and other kids back down in New York or uh. New Amsterdam. So the daughter was actually raised by others. But in any event, she made a little wampum belt for him. And that wampum belt travels through time into the, into the present day hmm. from hand to hand to hand. And that's one of the symbols of continuity in the story. I also love stuff like that. There's a Star Trek Voyager episode where, uh, do you remember Star Trek Voyager at all? Sure do. Do you know who Kess is? Yes. There's, so there's an, there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager where Kess, uh, the beginning of the show, it starts out where she's basis, basically on her deathbed and the doctor's putting in her into some stasis chamber or something. And then she gets really cold and uh, she goes back into time. She just flashes back into time and it's two weeks prior or something like that. She's in a different spot, but she only has memories from the future of that specific moment. And then she's in this moment for, I don't know, a couple hours, and then she goes back in time again, but only has memories from the future of the first jump and then the original spot that she was in. 
and she's trying to tell people in the past what's happening in the future, what's to come in their future, and try and stop all the stuff. And it happens because so far back in the past, she's the ship was attacked and she was hit with chroniton particles, and that put her in a temporal flux. And anyways, eventually they had to sort it out and stuff. But it was an interesting episode about time travel, but in the opposite order. You, you got the story, but in reverse, basically from the future in reverse. It's a, it's a cool episode. That's very cool. I, I really, really like time travel stories yeah. and, and or changing dimensions. You know, Interstellar is a great story. Um, yes. The uh, Inception, you know, with all the layers of consciousness and uh, that was a great story. Very difficult to watch. It, it took a lot of mental energy to follow it, at least yep. for me, to try to stay with the storyline. And at the end, it all made sense. But during it, I was like, oh, this better, this better all tie itself up at the end or I'll be one unhappy viewer. I think that's why The Matrix was, was so loved, because it was the concept of The Matrix was so different at the time. Yeah. And the execution of the movie was so brilliant. Uh, that, man, that movie is, is re- was almost revolutionary, really. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so anything to do with that kind of uh, journey yeah. is, is fantastic. Uh, of course, your mother and I are currently watching Outlander, which is a show, yeah, but it, and you'll eventually want to watch it, I'm sure, but not now, I know, because you don't like to watch series that are ongoing until they're done exactly. so you can binge them. Yep. And I get that. But Outlander is essentially involving time travel. I'm not going to, this is no spoiler here, but it involves a, a modern day or 1940s person who suddenly and un, un, unintentionally ends up back in time a couple of hundred years and is in the same place that they were before, but now it's 200 years earlier and everybody's different. And the way of life is entirely different, of course. And she has knowledge of the future because she remembers everything from her life before she went back. So she knows that a battle that's about to happen, she yeah. knows who wins. But is, it like, is it like medieval and horses and... There's some horses. I'm not, I'm not, that's not my game. Uh, yeah, but it's really good. I'm not, that's not my game though. Like, I don't like that period of time. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't born in it. Well, the people who were eventually begat you, so yeah. you're a descendant of that time. Oh, I know. But I, I look at those things when they, when they show these cross ocean journeys in the 1700s of the first settlers or the 1600s, really the first settlers that came over here from the, from Europe mainly, uh, to see what they went through and the uncertainty of the voyage oh, itself. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's unbelievable that any of us are e- even made it. Oh, absolutely. The storms and the sickness on the ships and everything else, it's I, incredible. I think it's the attire. Why, they're just so much clothes. It's like people are wearing like seven layers of clothes. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Well, they're staying warm for one thing. Staying warm, even in like, even in the warm countries and in Italy and stuff, or in southern United States, wearing the big suits and the layers and the the women have the big puffy dresses on and stuff. And yeah. It's like, man, no. too much clothing. <laughs> Not that I want to see anyone naked, but I mean, no, yeah, just everyone's just sweating and stuff. <laughs> nope. Anyway. All right. Uh, what historical event would you like to know the truth about? Oh. I have two. I have one I can think of right away. Okay. Uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Oh, I I think the story is fairly well settled that it was Lee Harvey Oswald and all that, but I still have this shred of uncertainty. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Yep. I'm not saying it was Jimmy Hoffa or the Russians or whatever, but 
some of the things don't perfectly line up for me. So that would be one. What's yours? Uh, Roswell. Okay. The 1949 or whatever it was, or 44, I don't even know. Uh, I want to know what actually happened there. Was it a spacecraft? Was it? I want to know. Number two, Amelia Earhart. Oh, yeah. I want to know what happened to Amelia Earhart. Mm -hmm. Earhart. Did she get abducted by aliens? Did she crash? Did she fake her own death and go to some island and live with what's-his-face? I want to know. Okay. And the Roswell thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, but on the PVR that we share here at home, I have uh, saved a show called Project Blue Book. Uh, That's on Netflix. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I think it's about a guy who was once in Congress or something like that, and he tries to convince a bunch of other people, and he gives speeches in Congress and stuff. Or oh, I don't know. Something, I don't know. And maybe I'm thinking of something else. But Yeah, but it's about these UFO sightings and the Air Force investigation of them back in the 50s. Mm. So the, the whole Roswell story might be in there. <laughs> Just saying. All right. Um, what is considered socially acceptable, but you do not approve of of it? Wow. I'm sure there's all kinds of things. Wearing pajamas in public. <laughs> is that socially acceptable even? Apparently, because I see it all the time. Yeah. that's. I don't think it's socially that's acceptable. Not on, but it's not, not for me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one. Um, I, I, I'm going to say this, and I might draw a little, I don't think anyone at work watches this, but even in the winter in my building, there are people who wear shorts, sandals, uh, they're basically dressed like they're going to the beach. Okay. And I'm, I'm a little old fashioned when it comes to dressing for the workplace. I choose to wear a tie most days. I don't have to. I'm usually the only, if I'm at a meeting with 20 people in the room, I might be the only guy with a tie on and I don't care. I'm not saying everyone else has to wear a tie. No one else is, is poorly dressed, but occasionally there are people who not so much in the meetings I would be at, but walking around in the building. In the view of the public, because our central atrium is actually a public place, it's there's a bit of a museum there of uh, for veterans and war memorial things, and they're walking around with t-shirts that might, I'm not saying they're inappropriate, but mm-hmm. you know they're advertising Hollister or East Coast lifestyle or whatever it is. Yeah. I just, it's a workplace. I don't think that's appropriate. I think people are too casual these days. Times are changing. They are, and sure. not for the better in, in some distinctions. So. We'll even look at just the general public. Uh, if you go back, we'll string this back to hockey. In the 50s, when you oh, go yeah. to see a hockey game, you see the old footage, everyone's in suits. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You would yeah. never, you'll, you'll never see that again. No. Ever. No. They would dress up to go to hockey games. Yeah. And we don't mean dress up as a, as a goofy creature either. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you, you, and the women had their hats on, their nice hats and the men had their suits hat and maybe some felt hats as well, yep. like proper, proper headgear going to a hockey game. It was a mm. respectful thing to do. Yeah. It'd be cool to see that just as a kind of like a fun night. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, what is the most significant tradition that our family has? Hmm. We don't really have any traditions. No, not our whole family, but you put up with some of mine. Which is? Hot dogs on Remembrance Day. I don't even know if that's a thing. It's a thing for me. (laughs) I don't remember it. At the end of the Remembrance Day service, (laughs) on November the 11th, 
after we come back from the usually frigid Remembrance Day service, I have to have boiled hot dogs and steamed buns for lunch. Nothing nothing says remembrance like an old hot dog. (laughs) What? This goes back to the early 1990s when, when I was a member of the legislature in New Brunswick. One of my duties was to be somewhere at a cenotaph or maybe more than one place if I could get drive in between okay. quickly enough. And down in Sunny Corner, uh, which is at the lower end of the riding, actually across the river from the boundary, uh, I would go to the Legion down there. Not, a, not every year, I couldn't. But, uh, and they'd have they, hot dogs. They'd have hot dogs. And I just got totally into it. This is the best thing ever. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought of one. Okay. You and mom always give each other nail clippers for Christmas. Yeah, I give that to her. I don't think she ever gives me no, any. But uh, yeah, every every Christmas I give her nail clippers. That's a weird tradition, but that's yeah. the, only, the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it is. And uh, one, and the reason being is that even though we probably have 100 pairs in the house, oftentimes you can't find any. Ever. Ever. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, what unusual, unusual or unpleasant smell do you enjoy? Skunk. Yeah, I knew you were going to say skunk there. I knew it. I do. I I don't know why, but I do. Burning rubber's pretty good. Mm, I actually don't mind burning rubber. And like burning oil in a car engine. Oh. If if I come up behind an old beater and and they're burning oil. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not going to pass. I'm just going to sit back there. (laughs) Oh, this is great. (laughs) Uh, Cow poop for me. You like cow poop? I basically grew up on a dairy farm. So Mm -hmm. uh, I get super nostalgic when I smell cow poop or horse poop. Like it just totally brings me back. So. Horse poop actually doesn't smell bad at all. It, it's 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 obviously poop, but yeah. it's it's healthy poop. Healthy, healthy poop. Yeah. Yeah. It's not stank. Uh, okay. Last question to round off this podcast. All right. We've been at it for over an hour, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. What, if anything, do you consider yourself obsessed with? So I can't say Anne Hathaway or Jessica Chastain. Uh, that's more than a crush. Okay. Uh, so obsessed is more than a wow. Um, I like there's healthy obsessions. I I would say that you're obs- nah, obsessed isn't the right word. Yeah, politics. I was gonna say politics, but you're not obsessed with politics. But well, I'm you're pretty close. With, you're obsessed with the news. I'm yes, I'm pretty close. And to it's being ridiculous news politics. too. It's news you don't even care about. You're just watching it because it's on. You're it's just, news. If it's happening now, I want to know what it but is. It's ridiculous news. Like someone won a uh, the a pie contest. At, in friggin' Charlottetown or something. I don't... You don't care about that, but you'll watch it anyway. You'll watch it and you won't keep your take your eyes off the screen. You, you just can't get enough of it. I like live news, but <laughs> I don't think... I don't get it. I don't news think we is, need to go so far as to uh, say I'm obsessed with local pie contest news. No, you're obsessed with just news in general. It doesn't news matter in if it's in a newspaper. doesn't matter if it's online, on the TV. doesn't matter if it's Canadian, American, whatever news. You just love news. If you look at who I follow on Twitter... And I have, I think I have about 1,200 and some followers, but I only follow 500 and some accounts. I would say at least half of them are reporters, news journalists, because that's where I get my initial news is on Twitter. And if I see something that might also be on TV, I'm on TV right away. Yep. I'm watching uh, when, when all the new Congress people were sworn in a couple of weeks ago. I watched that. When they were electing the speaker, I watched that. Why though? Because it's happening now, and, and I'm, an, I'm an observer, I'm an archivist of the, my own news feed. But like, why are you so interested in 
American politics specifically? I think, for one thing, I don't have a dog in the fight, so I can be a total observer. No, but it just... I can enjoy it without it affecting my wallet or anything to do with my life. I can, for me, I can entirely treat it as a spectator sport that... It's like when my team isn't in the Stanley Cup finals. I can no, watch I, the finals and enjoy them in a detached, academic way. I, I understand that mindset, and you're not wrong. But things that happen in the United States do affect us here in Canada. Oh, no like question. Like the pipeline, like the dollar difference and the... Yeah, border security. Border security, like it's... Oh, yeah. So I understand what you're saying. But I want to see the Iowa caucuses, and I want to oh. see the Texas primary, and I want to see the governor's race in Florida. But it's so, like, you watch all the insignificant things. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't either. I, I don't have a – I guess I shouldn't try to sit here and defend myself, but I have an interest in those things. And I have CNN. I have MSNBC. Mm-hmm. I have the, the major networks. I have Fox News. I have CBC and CTV News, and I could just flip around all the time at those channels and just keep keep a constant stream of info going into mm. my head as to what's going on. I'm making fun of you a little bit. I know. But it's, I know I'm not. You're busting my. A little I, bit. Just just to be funny, like I'm not. Yeah, no, there's no problem with being obsessed with the news. I'm just just being funny. It's but, pretty clean obsession. Yeah, my obsession is not in any way growing me as a person. Like yours is. Uh, it's Star Trek for me. I love. If you guys don't know, I love Star Trek. Um, I haven't seen the new one. I haven't either. So, well, we watched the first episode, I think, of the new one. Yeah. But haven't seen the new one. I'm talking more so about the next generation, Star Trek Voyager, uh, Deep Space Nine, eh, even Enterprise. Uh, I've seen Star Trek Voyager, I think there's like nine seasons. I've seen it probably three or four times. Next Generation, I've seen it probably three or four times. Next, uh, Deep Space Nine, I think I've seen it twice. Enterprise, I think I've seen it twice. And I'm on the process now, of, right now, of going back and watching Voyager again. I just, I just love it. I just, well, I can't I, get enough of it. I totally love Star Trek too, but we don't agree on the one on the series we like the best. You like I'm, the original? I like the original. Kirk and Spock and Uhura and McCoy yeah. and the, the the writing for the time it was done, and I was there. Uh, it was. It was light years ahead of anything else that was happening on TV. Uh, they were doing like the first interracial kiss on TV yep. was there. and Star Trek was breaking so much ground about people working together and, and, and multinational crews uh, all working together as representing Earth itself. And then they had aliens who were working with Earthlings. And uh, it was groundbreaking stuff at oh, the yeah. time. Fast, fascinating stuff. And Gene Roddenberry is a genius. Oh, yes. And and his genius spawned all these shows that you've come to love. But I, I still like the original right. a lot. And That's I like okay. the others, too. They're okay. Not a big fan of uh, Janeway, that one, Voyager. I know people like I know uh, people who really like Voyager yeah. and hate Voyager. I, I don't know if I'd hate it, but I just don't like the chemistry of the crew. I don't like Riker. Don't like her. Uh, don't like the kid, Wesley. I, I just, just well, Hold on. You're talking about two different shows. Oh, am I? Okay. Well, Riker go. and Wesley are on Star Trek Next Generation. Okay. Well, Janeway's on Voyager. All right, well. You need to brush up on your Star Trek. <laughs> You're stressing me out. <laughs> but I did like the Enterprise with Picard and all that. And He's not on, okay, yeah, he's on. Enterprise. Yes, but the show's called Star Trek Next Generation. Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise is its own series. Oh, okay. Jeez. 
They just need to make their friggin' minds up. <laughs> no, you, you need up, to educate yourself. You're getting upset, aren't you? Uh, yeah, you need to educate yourself. Which one was Worf on? He was on two. He was on Star Trek Next Generation, and he was on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> okay, I like the Ferengi. Yes, the he, they, they were Deep Space Nine, right? They were Deep Space Nine. Then they made their appearance on Deep Space Nine, or uh, Star Trek Next Generation. One of the first episodes in the in the show, if not maybe the first episode, uh, and but they're primarily on Deep Space Nine, and they made appearances on Voyager. Okay, there's there's certain characters I like, and it's all just a blur for me. I like Dodo. Yeah, I like Space Data. Nine. I like Worf. Didn't like Riker. Didn't like Janeway. Wasn't crazy about uh, Doctor. What's her name? Beverly Crusher? Yeah, not a fan. And oh. and she was Wes's mother, right? Yep. Yeah, didn't like her. Uh, but I have no reason for not, I, no no offense to them. I just didn't find them as interesting characters. Okay. So, yeah. So All it's right. hit and miss for me. That's okay. The newer stuff. But it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So uninvent the four-wheeler, and we're good. I still disagree with that, but <laughs> anyway... Uh, thanks guys for watching guys and gals. I appreciate it. Uh, if you are listening, we appreciate that. Appreciate, uh, whoa. Whoa, try again. We appreciate that as well. Yeah, sure do. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube and you are not subscribed, I hope you can hit the subscribe button. Leave us a like down below and please make sure you leave your questions in the comment section for our next having a yak, which would, will be number 12, probably in at the earliest a month from now most likely two months from now. Uh, So yeah, thanks for watching and uh, we'll see you later. Adios. See ya.